welcome to another episode of the How Long To Beat podcast. I'm your host, Paula, joined today as always by the one and only Avatar, aka Josh. What's up, everybody? I think it was the other way around, but anyway. Um, so today good. is kind of like a special episode since one of us has beaten a lot of games, or like has been playing a lot of different games. One of us has only been like has only been playing like two games. Guess which one is which? Uh, <laughs> but also we have uh, our yearly discussion topic of New Year our gaming resolutions. So let's see how we fared during the uh, last year, 2023, and what our hopes and dreams are for to, uh, 2024. And uh, so, like, we have everything recorded so we know if uh, on next year if uh, any of those came to fruition. That's always fun. And mm-hmm. of course, uh, we are going to close up with a round of guest again. Josh is going to quiz yours truly. So, yeah, take it away, Josh. You have a lot to talk about. <laughs> I, I have a lot of games to talk about, but not really much to say about a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> this could be interesting. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a lightning round then. So to, be, to begin with uh, games that I have beaten since we last spoke, I finally finished Cocoon, which I've talked about a fair bit. But um, it just got better and better right up to the end, and I loved every minute of it. And I would highly recommend anyone check it out if they've got even a passing interest in it, because it's just fantastic. The um, the art's great, the animation's great, the soundtrack is incredible, the gameplay is fun, the puzzles are challenging. It's kind of surreal enough to make you wonder what's going on, but not confusing enough that you don't know what to do. So I really like that kind of thing. It's very much like, it feels like it's got a similar vibe to like Inside or Limbo, uh, which is no surprise. But um, now that I have finished it, I can definitely say uh, it's it's up there in my in my little head canon about what's competing for Game of the Year at the moment that I've played. So mm-hmm. I'm highly recommending Cocoon, <laughs> especially <laughs> because I, I played it on Game Pass. Um, so I quote unquote didn't pay for it, even though I pay my subscription. But um. I would say definitely try it out if you've got Game Pass, but even if you don't, it's definitely worth the money. Like, I would happily buy this and play it on a different platform or something anyway. So definitely worth checking out. And similarly, I've continued playing some Cube Escape games from the Rusty Lake series. Uh, After playing Rusty Lake Hotel, I checked out my little list from the developer about what order to play things in again, and I went and played... Uh, Cubescape Birthday and Cubescape Theatre, mm-hmm. which are all in the Cubescape collection, of course. Birthday is something else. They're both something else, let me tell you. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those games, well, these two in, in particular are pretty, like they just kind of put their foot down on the accelerator a little bit more and everything's turned up to 11. But I'm really glad that I did play Rusty Lake Hotel beforehand because it does kind of even though there's a very loose kind of narrative through the games and it is again, very surreal and mysterious, it actually picked up right where Rusty Lake Hotel left off, even literally, like I don't want to spoil anything, so I'm not going to say, but what the very last thing that happens in Rusty Lake Hotel is the very first thing that happens in uh, Cubescape Birthday. So that's cool. (laughs) It felt like it was a um, continuation from the other game. 
And but yeah, other than that, like again, if you've played a Rusty Lake game, especially a Cube Escape game, they are kind of you can kind of expect what to expect from each one, as in it's similar kind of setup, similar kind of puzzle solving, but obviously a different kind of theme and a different story and different things happen and some kind of you know more fucked up things happen (laughs) Um, of course so these games continue to be awesome in my book like i'm still really enjoying them and i just love the i mean i love puzzles and point and clicks and that sort of thing anyway but then to have the kind of weird dark humor messed up surreal bent to it is just yeah icing on the cake um as far as satisfaction goes because yeah, they just feel really unique and unlike anything else I've ever played. So um, very much enjoying that. <laughs> and I think I've got maybe one or two left in the Cube Escape collection, but there's like two, three, maybe even four other games in the series that are um, that I've got left to play as well that I've got in the bundle. Yeah, I think you have the other two Rusty Lakes one, um, the White Thor. And there's a new one as well that just came out, which is why the bundle was on special. Uh, is it the like? Is it the one that is multiplayer? Because there is one that is multiplayer. I don't know. If it is, then we should play it together. Because I have no <laughs> one to play it with. <laughs> I am down for that. Uh, Underground Blossom is the name of the game. Wow, that's that that, uh, that I I haven't heard of that one. So I'm just gonna jump on Steam and get it. <laughs> it came out 27th of September 2023, so it's very new. But um, that's why the whole bundle, I think, was on special was because there was that new game out. So you, they basically gave everything for a bit of a discount. And that's when I picked it up. Nice. This one is not multiplayer. So maybe there is a different one. Like The Past Within is another one. Yeah, The Past Within is the multiplayer one. Yes, it says online co-op. Yes. Well, yeah, we'll have to check that out in some fashion when we get to it. Uh, but before that, yeah, I've got The White Door. I've got Rusty Lake Paradise and I've got Rusty Lake Roots. And I think another Cube Escape game. So still lots to get through, but very much looking forward to it. Because <laughs> oh, cool games, definitely. If, if if you're like me and like I'd seen these games over the years and kind of thought, hey, they look cool. Now is the best time to pick them up because, you know, they are cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So yeah, can't, can't recommend them enough. Uh, I played another game, which I don't have much to say about, called Under Leaves. It's just a hidden object game, um, literally. Basically, there's a number of different scenes. It's very uh, nature-themed where, yeah, there's different scenes. Like there might be a forest with, like, leaves everywhere and branches and things, and you uh, there's deer, and the deer say, we want to find some mush- berries or mushrooms or something. So you go through and you find them all hidden object style and go on to the next thing, and it could be underwater. So there's coral and that kind of stuff, <laughs> and... There might be a turtle who's like, I need to find whatever, coral or something. So you go and find all the coral and, you know. It's a series of levels of uh, hidden object maps, essentially, I guess you could call them. And it's good. If you like hidden object games, it's a good one. It's very simple. You could probably check out some screenshots and you'll know exactly what to expect. But um, yeah, it was good. (laughs) Uh, Another game I played, which was a bit of a random one, but actually perhaps even... Aside from Cocoon or uh, Cube Escape as well, they were good. I am trying. I was going to say it might be my favourite one of the week, but it was the most surprising game of the week for me. It was a game called Lookouts, which is a free visual novel on 
itch.io because for everyone who's listening, you may be aware that uh, as part of December, we do a thing in Helen to Beat called the 12 Days of Itchmas, mm-hmm. where a bunch of people nominate some free games from itch.io and the highest voted 12 get basically uh, revealed one per day by our good friend Tiamat and we play them just like Game of the Month, but something a little bit different and usually like short little weird games. And as I was looking for games to nominate, I found this game called Lookouts, which was on my kind of watch list. And uh, I decided to nominate it, but I also decided to play it just straight away because I knew I wanted to, whether it won or not. Um, and we still don't know if it's won or not because we're in the middle of Itchmas as we record this. Um, but my God, I wanted to mention it because it is really good. Um, <laughs> I haven't played a visual novel uh, in a long time where I've gone away thinking, wow, that writing was really good. The dialogue and the the narrative and everything is just, it's written really well. <laughs> so that in itself just stands out. Let alone the art is really cool. It's got a really awesome style to the art. It's got um, minimal animations, I'd say. Like it's very visual novel-y, so it's kind of like, you know, paper cutouts moving around on screen if they move at all. Um, but yeah, the story is basically, it's it's billed as like a LGBTQ plus something or other game. But the thing I like about it, and I don't want to sound, I don't want to dance around it too much or sound controversial or anything, but I've got nothing against queer stories or whatever. That's all cool. But the thing I liked about it was that it just read as a, a love story between two characters and they happen to be whatever gender they are. Like the point was more about their story as kind of star-crossed lovers in a way, Romeo and Juliet style from different camps, you know, who maybe don't like each other, but they meet and they fall in love. And it's about their story about how they deal with that and how they go about, um, resolving that and, you know, coming to some kind of, uh, conclusion in the end. So that's something I don't want to diminish the relevance of it being a queer story because I'm sure for queer readers and players that can be an important thing and very cool to see. But as, you know, a straight guy that I am, I still enjoyed it just as a general love story. And it was very well written and very well put together. So, you know, gender or orientation or any of that didn't really matter and wasn't central to the plot. It was more just it happened to be a queer story. So cool. Rock on. (laughs) But again, it's a free game. And if you like visual novels and cool stories, it's not heaps long, but it's long enough. It's like a couple of hours, I think, took me. Um, So it's not super short, but it's, you know, not going to take forever either. I played through it in one sitting because I just wanted to get to see how it all turned out and get through the story because it was just so compelling. Um, But yeah, I really liked it and I couldn't recommend it more just as a fantastic little free itch.io game that you might not find anywhere else. And that's what itch is good for. So (laughs) yeah, lookouts, one to look out for, you might say. Uh, alternatively, one other game that I don't really have much to say about was a game called Coloring Game Pixel, which you might have seen other similar games around on Steam. There's lots of like coloring games where you literally just click on squares. You select a color and click on a square to color it in and you create a picture and it's, you know, very minimal gameplay, but um, something to do with your hands while you're doing something else, basically. And I got through that game. That's about all I've got to say about it. Um, <laughs> then I played, uh, there are three 
um, games that were picked for the 12 Days of Itchmas, which I had mentioned before. But these are ones that actually won that I've played, so they're all quite short. Uh, the first one was Sound Marine, which was basically a kind of music-themed flying game where you fly through a scene and if you hit targets, it's meant to affect the music as it, as you play through. Or there's like targets you can't hit, like bombs, so if you hit it, it ends and you start again. But to fly through the whole thing takes maybe, I don't know, I want to say like five minutes or so, so not, not very long. And it was cool. I like the idea, but I'm one of these people who like, I can never remember if it's inverted or uninverted, but I like my flight controls to be one way and my walking around controls to be the other way. Yeah. So <laughs> if I'm playing like a, if I'm on the ground, I want to push up to look up and push down to look down. But if I'm flying a plane for some reason, I want to push up to go down and I want to push down to go up. So I don't know what the deal is with that, but that's just what feels natural to me. And whatever it is, Sound Marine's controls were the opposite. So <laughs> even though it was only about five minutes, it was five minutes of me fighting with different controls that didn't make sense to me. So it was cool. It was more like a little prototype kind of game as some of these games are. But um, another one we played was a game called Sand Tricks, which is like a take on Tetris. So imagine Tetris, but every okay. time you place a block, it kind of, it's made of sand. So it just kind of falls as if it was a block of sand. Okay. And all the granules kind of fall down. So it just ends up making a pile of sand instead of the shape that it is. Mm-hmm. And then the same rules apply. You've got to kind of, there's multicolors and you've got to connect a color from one side of the screen to the other. And when you do that, it clears like a line and you keep going. But of course, it's a different and much more challenging, I think, version of uh, Tetris because when you get lots and lots of colors and they're all piling on top of each other, it's like pouring sand on top of each other. So you think you've got a way to get to the green or something, but you've piled too much on top of it. So now it's covered in blue and it's really hard. You can't actually get under it or anything, but you've just got to pile on some more colors on top and hope that it all kind of works out so it's a cool idea um i played it a few times i played a few runs kind of did what i thought was pretty good and that was that because it ends up being like how high can you get on the leaderboard and yeah and basically play it until you're satisfied and then stop kind of thing so <laughs> it's a good idea though and definitely fun to check out and you know it's nice seeing something like tetris which you know so well done in a different way that is actually challenging and confusing at first, but then you kind of get the hang of it and it's a cool idea. Mm -hmm. Similarly, the final one that I finished uh, was another Itchmas game called Pigeon Ascent, which is basically, I'm thinking like fights from Pokemon, but that's okay. it. <laughs> I don't know. I've never played a Pokemon game. I've only seen them, so I'm guessing here, but... The reason I say that is because after you win some fights, you evolve into a stronger version of yourself kind of thing. Um, so you've got a pigeon and you've got three stats. I think you've got offense or attack, defense and speed. So speed is obviously how quickly you attack. Defense is how, def how much damage you can uh, resist and attack is how much damage you do. And then there's items you can buy as well, such as, uh, health to refill your health and buffs to buff certain stats for the next fight and that sort of thing. And you play through a series of fights, which are essentially auto battles rather than 
time, like turn-based battles or something. Oh. You set up your pigeon with all their stats and everything, and then you choose an opponent to fight, and they go and fight them. And whatever the outcome is, you make money, or you die, or <laughs> whatever. And if you succeed, you gain more stats, stat points that you can put into your stats, and you gain money so you can buy more items, and you just keep going until you eventually you know, fail or win or whatever. Kind of boring. I played one <laughs> playthrough, <laughs> and it's not really my kind of game. Like, I just just like, yeah, cool. It's well put together. The art's nice. Um, the sound effects are actually pretty nice, and everything. Whoever made it obviously made it competently, but it's just, yeah, not really something that I got too excited about. But there's another one that I really didn't get very excited about, which I might as well talk about now because that's it for games I've beaten. <laughs> but I did actually retire a few this week. Um, and one of them was an Itchmas game that anyone who's seen me talking about it on Discord will know I didn't really gel with it very much. And it's a game called Yoshi Goes to Tesco. And it looks kind of cool on the surface because it's kind of a joke that if you don't know, Tesco is like a supermarket. Um, I think it's in England. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. So if wherever it is, if you're not in that country, I think you're not going to know what it is probably or... I don't know why I know what it is, but it doesn't matter. In the game, basically, yes, she goes to a supermarket and goes shopping. And it's made with like an old version of RPG Maker. So it's that kind of top-down, blocky, RPG-style-looking gameplay. And there's this whole story where he goes and does his shopping, but then something happens and he ends up in another dimension and you're trying to run away from dudes who want to hurt you. And so on and so forth. And it gets, you know, out of control. And it sounds kind of interesting and, um, you know, fun. <laughs> but the downside is that the humor is just not my kind of humor and very cringe and borderline just straight up offensive as well. <laughs> For instance, and, you know, I don't want to be offensive, but the easiest way to explain it is the first time I died in the game, you get a game over screen, except it doesn't say game over. It says gay over. So that kind of explains everything. <laughs> I think so. Anyway, if you can see what's wrong with that, then we're on the same page. Um, <laughs> so I retired that because I was like, yeah, I'm done. I don't need more of this in my life. <laughs> see you later. And uh, it seems like other people who played it kind of had a similar vibe because all the jokes are kind of a bit on the nose and, like a 12-year-old's trying to be edgy, but they're just saying rank shit that no one wants to hear, and it's not funny, and it's like, yeah, let's, let's not, shall we? <laughs> so that was Yoshi Goes to Tesco. Do not recommend. Um, alternatively, I also retired uh, Gotham Knights, which I had started playing a while ago from Game Pass, and it's the latest in the Batman series of games. I, um, I think I spoke about it a while ago. I picked it up here and there, but every time I just kind of never really, it never really kind of hooked me as much as I wanted it to. So more recently when I was looking at games on my playing list and stuff and deciding, do I actually want to go back to that? I was looking at Gotham Knights thinking, nah, I don't think I do. I think I've had my fill and there's nothing really enticing me to keep playing. It's, it's, it's well made and it's kind of, you know, like the voice acting is good. The graphics are good. It's all very quote unquote, triple A kind of level looking stuff, but kind of like the Saints Row game that came out, it kind of has lost, there's no real spirit to it. There's no kind of central hook or vibe to it where maybe it's because Batman's not in it, but 
I kind of think that that's interesting anyway. Like that's kind of a good thing because a lot of the the villains are in the game, uh, like Harley Quinn's in it and everything, and there's some other villains too. But it's just it just lacks any kind of I don't know. There's it feels really incoh incohesive or um, inconsistent and just kind of bland. And I don't really know why. But regardless of which, that's that's kind of why I retired it anyway. Because after playing it for I don't know, I think I gave it like even up to maybe about ten hours of gameplay. Yeah, it just was. It just didn't have any like real hook to kind of get you uh, keep me interested in wondering what's going to happen next, kind of thing. So Gotham Knights gave put that down. Don't need don't need to worry about that. Um, and finally, <laughs> the last game I retired was. And it's a very simple retirement. Basically, I just kind of put it in because I thought it was interesting. Um, game of the month this month is Half Life, which we'll probably talk about another time, but. Because it's Half-Life and I thought, oh yeah, I'll play Half-Life again. That sounds like fun. I basically played the first few chapters of uh, the original Half-Life game and the Source port, which is where they ported original Half-Life to the Source engine of Half-Life 2. Mm-hmm. And just to compare them both and see which one I preferred and which one seemed more like it would be more fun to play, and I ended up retiring Half-Life Source because... It looks kind of weird. Like everything's really shiny when it probably shouldn't be. And because <laughs> I know half like the source engine brought in a lot of lighting effects and stuff, which were new uh, and were utilized in Half-Life 2 and like, you know, reflective surfaces even. And it like, um, you know, like metal and things that would not be reflective in the way that say a mirror would be, but will kind of give you that glare of lighting if it's in the right kind of angle. And, um, it seems like in the Half-Life source port, that effect is just kind of applied to every texture, which is weird. <laughs> but and it, but then it also didn't seem to add very much compared to the original game, which the original game has also had a 25th anniversary update, uh, which adds a bunch of stuff to it and fixes bugs and fixes kind of inconsistencies and things. So it still very much feels like the original game. Like It's not like it's completely remastered or anything. It's very old school polygons and textures but it has been improved a bit. Like it's properly supports widescreen now instead of not. <laughs> and there's some more graphic settings and things to play with. But yeah, after playing them both, I kind of figured Half-Life Source I can do without. So I'll retire that and not end up playing it. But as I'll talk about later, I have been playing the uh, original Half-Life just because of Game of the Month. But uh, yeah, I'm going to shut up now. Um <laughs> <laughs> Because that's what I've finished and what I've retired, of which Paula has not done either. Ta-da! <laughs> Paula, you have been playing things, so I will now take a breath and let you talk about what you've been playing. Take it away. <laughs> okay, so the thing is, is that I would love to tell everyone, no, sorry, I haven't had the time to play any games or, or something like that. So that's the reason why I've only played two games. The real reason is that I've been completely hooked to one of my games. And I pretty much have the other one because it was like, oh shit, I need something else to talk about. <laughs> so the first game, uh, maybe it will surprise some, maybe it won't. Uh, it is, is Virsha Evermore Ever Salvation for Nintendo Switch. And that's the atomic game I started last week. Uh, 
Breaking news, everyone. I'm almost done with the game. Like, the only reason I am not done with the game is because I had to go out yesterday. <laughs> so, I stated uh, last week that in Birte, uh people live in this cursed country that it seems to have been cursed by death because people are not able to live past 23 years of age. Uh, and in a way to fight the curse, there has been a progress in what is called reliever technology. So that means that once uh, someone croaks, if they have um, their genes and their memory backed up at the institute, uh, once their body is recovered and they're like declared death, they can just come back to life in the guise of a, of a clan with downloaded memories on them. Uh, so that's a very interesting world, um, archipelago, I don't even remember the name of the island, I'm sorry, the, this <laughs> island is, um, and so people have, um, gained that kind of, like, twisted logic to life, to the point where people say, like, oh, no worries, I have my data back up, it doesn't matter if I die, um, there seems to be, like, um, a second problem that is that uh, due to the nature of how the memory backing and downloading to the clan court works, uh, there's like a limitation on the intensity of emotion that you can like recreate on a clone. So, for example, for a character that really, really, really loved their uh, boyfriend or partner. That feeling would not carry on once they die and are cloned into another body, because anything that like any familiar, familial or romantic feelings of love are usually discarded. The same way that uh, other strong emotions such as hatred are discarded upon uh, being cloned. So, in a sense, uh, some people have come to call the clones or the relievers fakes because they're only a shadow of their former self. Uh, mm. There's a lot of things that happen because people are cloned, or despite people being cloned in this country. So there's uh, a lot to unpack here. So this game has the grand total of five routes, and in order to unlock all the happy endings, you have to play, first play all the despair and sad endings. <laughs> Which was quite the ideal for me because I usually avoid those on uh, many games. Uh, so I went with the recommended order. Uh, I like I think last week I wasn't even like in out of the common route. Uh, so the common route like centers around um, well, first of all, uh, Ceres, I'll, like upon almost unliving herself is met by the character that calls himself the Watchman of Death, uh, otherwise known as Uncle. So he convinces Ceres that, hey, life is kind of like worth living through. And uh, he offers a little um, a contract. So if Ceres is able to uh, find the source of the many um, mysterious deaths throughout the country, then Anka is going to allow her to live like a, nor a normal human. 
So her powers of death, uh, I don't remember if I said it, but Ceres has like this curse going on with her, where any anyone that gets like too close to her for an extended period of time, uh, and like ends up having like their um, the 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 effects of the curse like almost like rush to a level that they die before they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so Uncle's like, hey, you know that uh, you 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 are not gonna uh, harm humans anymore once you solve this. Uh, so he says that he call he casted a spell on her, so that the curse is like weakened uh, a little bit. But he said, "Hey, this is not gonna last forever, so you really need to, her- to hurry up with this thing." <laughs> um, by the way, uh, so Josh knows what you're what I'm talking about. This oh, this uh, psychopath or this crazy looking character, Sank. Nice. So. I I have like these little character cards uh, that came from the game with the game. Uh, I'm sorry, Very I can't cool. show them to everyone, but this will have to do. So, uh, flash forward through this route, it seems that there's like some kind of serial killer, uh, like losing town, which people have dubbed Bro. Um, so what happened is that uh, a lot of bodies have been found like in a very sorry state throughout the country. It was uh, primarily being found, like it was happening on like the uh, Noble District, but uh, they had like a gag order, so they weren't allowed to talk about uh, what was happening over there because the royal family said so. Uh, and it became known that this was happening once it started happening on uh, the on the commoner district. Uh, so in in the common route, Ceres meets um, a uh, a handful of people. So first of all, uh, I'm gonna go with, with the recommended route order when explaining the blood. Uh, we have mm-hmm. Mathisco, which it's probably known as the Chora of the game. A Chora is pretty much like a um, very young-looking character, even if they're not necessarily like too young. Um, and they are like the the trope goes as they are like usually like very happy, good, lucky, and playful. So, but this Claude is kind of like a Chora, but not really, mainly because <laughs> of his past. Like, things go hard in this route, but anyway. Uh, the other character that she meets and gets help from is her former teacher, Lucas Prost, who is almost 23 years of age. So he's um, being starting to be affected by the curse of this land, uh, but he still tries to do his best to work through his sickness. And then we have Siembrefis, which is the inventor of reliever technology. Right. And such is the oldest character in the game besides Anko. Um, like being stuck in his 23-year-old body. Um, he, he's kind of ancient. Shian <laughs> <laughs> uh, doesn't have like emotions per se. He's kind of like apath- apathetic. I don't know. And um, always goes through things like very logically. Then we have Ives. Ives <laughs> is the poster boy of the game. He kind of like met the 
protagonist series like seven years ago uh, saved her from a fire and ended up with a burn on his face. Who he, what uh, and he covered and he covers it with a mask. And then we have Adolf, which is like kind of like the childhood childhood friend trope. Uh, they were raised in the same orphanage. Um, at the very least, when uh, after so it's like hit eleven and was kicked off uh, several other orphanages throughout the country, but Adolf uh, kind of like found their found her and brought him brought her to the current orphanage she is in. And of course mm-hmm. we have Anko. Anko doesn't have his own route. It's like I'm just gonna say it. He shares his route with Adolf and there's a reason for that. And the other thing is that even though he is a fan favorite, he doesn't have a happy ending. Just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I hope he does in the fan disc though. So first of all, I went through uh, the common route. We kind of like cut bro, and he had like um, something not very funny happening to him. So once right. that case case was clo- well, blah, blah, blah. once his case was closed, uh, I went out and was able to um, uh, select one of the three routes available at t- at the time. So, um, uh, first of all, I'm going to say that this game shines through their characters, like, uh, um, not only, like, the main characters or the main cast, but also, like, the secondary characters. I think they were, like, very well crafted. And they managed to make every single character being quite complex, but very consistent through the game. Uh, So that was a very, very... Um, a welcome thing in the game because even though the story is it was engaging to me, there's one thing about the story that people didn't quite vibe with, and that's the pseudo science that it is used to explain things. Right. If you think too much about the pseudo science of the game, some things don't make sense. Just point out. <laughs> but if you so if you are really bothered by things like that. Um, I wouldn't recommend you to play this game, if, even though I really love it. But if you don't mind and you are into like uh, visual novels in general and you want something like a little bit darker, I would really recommend this game. So um, I am going through this thing. So um, in in Matthew's route, that is the first one that is recommended. Uh, for you to clear because it has like the less amount of like story spoilers for the ne- for the rest of the route. Um, you're kind of like helping this character to come with terms with the rest uh, untimely demise because uh, the whole thing with Matt is that uh, on the common route was he wanted to avenge his uh, his brother who was uh, killed by Perot. But with we're out of the picture, he seemingly lost his reason to be alive at all because he was uh, chasing this killer like for so long and investigating uh, his every move. So once thing when everything was looking looking okay that uh, Mathis was looking like he was able to recover and was, was like um, almost like trying to walk another path in life, shit hit the fun 
and that uh, that piece was pretty much it. Pretty much went down the drain uh, <laughs> as as things go down in this game. Uh, so so yeah, and also there's like a second case on this game where on this route there's like um, another type of crime going on where. Um, some women from a certain line of work, like mainly like prostitutes, I think there's a couple of them that aren't, but don't quote me in that, um, <laughs> are disappearing. Uh, they're not even leaving like uh, anything behind. Like, uh, So they're like investigating this specific case. And you also notice that there are things with Madis that don't sum up or like don't really... Um, makes sense. I'm gonna say. <laughs> I'm trying to be very vague with this. And say sounds mysterious. <laughs> and I'm trying to be mysterious because this game is kind of like new in the West, so um, I'm just trying to do the overall thing. Yeah, so, yeah. so in that way, um, like you have like two mysteries in one, and everything then comes together in a very cruel way. I'm gonna say. So, um, Matthew's uh, despair ending is oof, like the game itself tries to throw you into despair at every corner or like at any opportunity it has. So that the despair ends are kind of like an embodiment of that. Um, but they have like a, a different flavor of despair in a way. So, in Matthew's case, he's ending his. Uh, this branding was very, very cruel. Mm-hmm. Um, and people who have played the game will know why. <laughs> uh, and I probably like will go into spoiler territory like next week, but I don't want to yet. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, then I play Luca. Luca. I don't know how to pronounce it because it's supposed to be like a French pronunciation that's Lucas, but so it's like Luca or something like that. Sounds right. Um, he, as I stated earlier, is kind of like the teacher of um uh he's uh he's the teacher of like any anyone who lives in the north ranch because he like roams around uh trying to uh uh teach people so they can first of all decide if they want to become relievers or not so they can make an informed decision mm-hmm. and he also tries to do the best to raise people to be like decent people and mm-hmm. uh, he has like um a strong sense of wanting to protect everyone he's taking care of in a way um so, uh he's doing the best he he can to to protect what's dear to him so uh in luca and luca's route uh Ceres is kind of like still hung up on bureau and she wants to look into whatever his background or their background was. Um, so he try she tries to do that by uh well, she's assisting Luca um on 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 being a teacher um on the various orphanage he goes to. And she tries to look like at the records of the of the kids that have come through each of French and stuff like that and uh, like trying to find a lead uh, to what uh, to whoever could have been Burrell mm-hmm. so 
Luca Throud was very sweet up until a certain point. <laughs> just gonna, I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> uh, for anyone who is a fan of Toma from Amnesia Memories, you'll be very happy to see the cage return. Who knows? It, if you know, you know. <laughs> and Elika has a younger sister called Nadia. And she's been like very sick ever ever since she was born. So Luca pretty much has been working towards um uh like earning enough money to keep Nadia at the hospital she's in and trying to do his best to ensure treatment for her when he, uh, he went out. He eventually passes. And the thing is, is that he's kind of like anti-reliever technology because of the um, of, of the thing I talked about later there, that whatever things you had as a reliever, like as, as a normal human, you won't carry them to your reliever life. So he's scared that whenever, if he turns out to be a reliever, He'll do something to uh, his dear sister or like the people he calls dear to. Mm -hmm. uh, so he has like that reasoning for not wanting to be a reliever. Um, uh, so his route goes south really quick, like from one day to the next. Um, I think his route really, really has this feeling of sadness to it, like um his despair ending was like really 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 sad like um it was heartbreaking to a degree uh not enough to make me cry finally enough uh and it was like sad but in a very twisted way but just leave it at that and uh, also like half of the trigger warnings i see floating around for this game are like just for this road at one so um nice. Yeah, uh, it was like very emotionally and gory touch. Um, the next route of the game is Ian Brofis. Um This man is a walking disaster. Like, even though he's been alive like for so fucking long, um, he is not able to keep his love uh, unchecked. So once his uh, co-worker decides to just leave him to rot in hell because he's done with him um, almost like destroying the room like an hour after he's gone and clean. <laughs> uh, he's like, fuck you. You're gonna just rot in here and think of your actions. So uh, Chien says like, well, fuck you. I'm gonna go and get myself a maid. <laughs> So I, I'm not going to learn to clean anyway. Checks out. Uh, so the obviously the protagonist is the, is the one who's going to end up uh, doing the domestic stuff there. <laughs> uh, and there's like a very interesting thing that um, Sister Salome, that is like the foster mother for the protagonist, hates, hates seeing with a passion. So uh, they've been like exchanging letters for a very long time out of necessity because they need to exchange information but they don't really bear to see each other because of they, they fucking hate each other <laughs> so the relationship is like so fucking funny uh so with Xian in particular 
uh, you get like a closer look to what reliever technology uh, looks from a researcher's perspective. And also you, you get to know like the the truth behind how it was developed. Um, so obviously things eventually go down, down the drain because of course, uh, of course they do. Like something happened. Jim was kind of like kicked out of the institute, and everyone who has been uh, working with him have, uh, have now like I wanted a, a like I want I want the pamphlet like drawn of their faces like mm-hmm. um his throat hits like his uh bad ending hits especially hard because. It's like, okay, things are okay. Not the best, but they're okay. And then it's like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, this is going south. <laughs> and then they give you hope. I think this is the only route that they really give you hope things are going to go well. After you're hitting, like, rock, rock bottom, it's like, don't worry, things are going to be okay. And of course, in the Esper ending, there aren't. But if you go and get the Salvation ending, I think this is my favorite ending of the game. Um, making like Siembrof is like my favorite character of the game, period. Uh, the funny thing is that the one thing that he has sent uh, away from, like, for so long, for so, for so long that our emotions is the one he, uh, thing that is, uh, that ends up aiding him into, uh, furthering his research. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally we have Ives. So one thing that I haven't really talked about is that um, like long, long ago in this island, a man by the name of the Drifter came uh, from another land and brought with him knowledge that will serve to uh, further these countries like uh, scientific uh, advancements and the natural liver technology. He left the grand total of four books, four books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, for um, those four books have been um, kind of like um, four of the love interests of this game. Like hold one of those books and have knowledge for the uh, from the from the drifter, and um, have been using that knowledge to aid the country in a way. Right. Uh, so yeah, uh, and also one of the love interests, not saying who, is uh, a descendant of the Drifter and has a mission from them directly. Anyway, um, Eva here is um, uh, both uh, a member of the Corp, like one of the uh, investigating like the deaths and uh, keeping peace on town. And he also he's also like the founder and leader of Karun, which is kind of like this, um, uh, I guess he's kind of like a handyman and does whatever like you want him to do as long as it is morally okay. Mm-hmm. And if you place a work order, uh, he's going to do whatever he can to fulfill it to the best of his abilities. The other thing about Ives is that he's been branded a good to choose. Uh, he um, apparently is not... Like he's able to accept anyone from any background, even though they can be like not the best human being around. But uh, he has like kind of like a very selfish reason to do so. So Eves is kind of like the poster game, poster boy of this game. But funny enough, he's not 
uh, the curve route, just to say it, uh, in a way. Mm-hmm. But he, funnily enough, is he is seen like the poster boy and the perfect guy for Ceres, even by the true route love interest in a way. Um, one of his traits is that since he got almost burnt to a crisp on that fire when he saved Cyrus, he has no feeling of pain. And also he has like an uncanny ability to make food that could have, uh, could be considered like, um, uh, like a health hazard in a way, because <laughs> people are not able like to withstand uh, the strong flavors or the wheat flavors he, uh, he brings into the table, quite literally. In this route, you also find more about uh, Sir's past. You also found uh, more things about uh, some lore or things of the island itself. And finally, um, uh, you, you're kind of like able to see things in another way, I'm going to say. Um, so this uh, route, like this... Oh, and there's like a, another mystery that there seems to be again people dying, but for some strange reason they seem to be um reliever couples, and it seems their deaths have been like brought down by themselves in a way. So mm-hmm. there's another thing like going on there. Um so yeah, his rod is very, very bloody in a way. Um, and of course, the despair ending is is kind of sad. <laughs> uh, I haven't gone through his uh, salvation ending, so I have no idea how that is gonna get up, uh, how that's gonna end up. So after that, at first, I arrived to finally Act Three, this Lesalut, which is the true road of the game, and then you uncover everything, every single truth. Nice. Um, and this is kind of like a joint route between Adolf and um, Uncle, uh, which, by the way, their venture is like the funniest thing ever. So, uh, in a way, this route was for, like was at the same time like more lighthearted than most other routes, but because of that, it really hits the end. Like the the despairing really hits your feelings. <laughs> And you see how everything gets tied together in a nice little bow. Nice. Like people say, and some people say that it feels rushed. I don't feel like it feels so rushed. I do feel that like some of the science is full crap. <laughs> but I still enjoy the, the ridiculousness of it. And also... Learning who the mastermind is just gave me chills. Like that reveal was chef kiss. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, and you also learn like the the source of the curse, uh, why humans are the way they are, pretty much in this island and stuff like that. So so yeah, and also Uncle has a thing to his personality. Where I cannot take him seriously anymore, like ever again. Uh, and once you finish all the bad endings and all the tragic endings, you finally unlock the salvation endings. And I finally got a uh, adult salvation ending. And I was so happy, uh, happy because <laughs> it was kind of sweet. But Adolf is kind of like, after 
going through the all the other routes. Uncle, not uncle. Adolf is kind of like boring. <laughs> <laughs> like he's like the normal person, like the most normal person among everyone. Mm. Uh, and that means even like secondary characters and stuff like that. Uh, with the exception of Nadia, but Nadia is cute, so she deserves better. I don't know about Adolf. So yeah, those are my adventures to Virtue. <laughs> nice. uh, this game has taken over my life like big time. So I'm like looking at my playing list and I, it, I already spent 42 hours and a half playing this game. Nice. And I don't think like, I, and I think I on last record and I have like seven hours on it. So there you go. Yeah. Um, I totally recommend this game. I've I doing I'm doing my best to not spoil the whole thing. <laughs> um I do recommend this game to anyone who is interesting though. Pretty warnings in her place. Like you're gonna see a lot of twisted shit in this game. <laughs> Be it like uh the nature of human beings when uh when facing this uh specific like uh circumstance. Um and you're gonna probably like have your heart destroyed about some of the things happening around here, <laughs> but I feel, but I feel if you like that sort of thing or like at the very least like, uh, want to think that there's hope at the end of the channel and salvation endings, I do recommend the game like a lot. Um, Radiant Chill is probably my favorite Otome game released this year, but the Shiver Merle is like like very high out there. So yeah. Cool. Uh, I'll continue talking about this game like next week because I talked long enough about this. So the other game that I started playing, and this was a funny one because this morning I was like, okay, I'm going to play something other than Virtue to talk about in the podcast. I took my Nintendo 3DS, tried to turn it in, and it was fucking dead, so I had to charge it for a bit. <laughs> I also tried to play one of the games that uh, Josh so kindly gave, uh, gave, to, gave to me uh this uh, last night uh but steam was being a bitch and it was and it was like hey i have no internet connection but steam you have an internet connection no i don't i do not have one sorry fuck off <laughs> uh so after that uh i just uh fired up my 3ds and played phoenix right a attorney trials and tribulations so this is the third entry on the uh, famous uh, ace attorney series and uh, it is probably like my favorite of a uh, classic or like the original trilogy of Ace Attorney. Uh, so uh, for those uninitiated, uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney or the Ace Attorney series is about uh, it's about like this uh, lawyer uh, in this case Phoenix Wright that and he. Uh, takes cases and tries to prove their uh, his clients innocent. Uh, to do so, it's kind of like a point-and-click adventure mixed with a vision novel, because to do so, you have to, first of all, find the evidence that you need, or like the evidence that is present at the crime scene, and then you have to um, go to court and make a case for your client trying to present the evidence uh, correctly and try not to annoy the judge because otherwise you're gonna get uh, you're not gonna get that uh, not guilty verdict 
So the thing about it is that it has like uh, uh, a humor, like humor that is like just up my, my alley. Even though like it, you you go like it's pretty much humor, uh, an episodic murder mystery uh, game mm-hmm. uh, because like it's not like one big case uh, throughout the game. It's like one chapter is dedicated to one case in particular. Um, and sometimes you have to go to investigate more than one. So the idea is that you investigate, you go to, to court, you investigate, you go you go to court. And usually you have like this three-day limit to uh, to solve the case. Um, and the thing about it is, is that even though it is a murder mystery and some of the things that happen are kind of hideous, it is very funny because of the humor or how the characters are kind of quirky sometimes and even like the the and sometimes like the um witnesses and even the killer themselves are like not the sharpest tool in the chat like they get craftier the longer you go through the game uh so you have to like really look into each argument and stuff like that but like the first one is like kind of dumb uh so yeah um in court, you are able to present evidence uh, when a witness is, um, is saying the things they saw. Or yet you can go and press a statement to get like more information about that thing. And then you can present the evidence on that specific thing. Um, so you have to really pay attention on the things they're saying, the things you're finding, and stuff like that. And uh, yeah. Uh, uh, the original really has this thing where uh, they manage always to give you a real reason to get a tutorial. So in the first game, like Phoenix Wright is a, a brand new lawyer. This is his first case. So you have Mia Faye, that is like his boss in a way, or like his tutor, uh, walking, through, walking him through the ropes. On the second game, Something happens and Phoenix Wright kind of like loses his ma- his memory like just before the uh, the trial starts and uh, his companion uh, at that point in time, which is Maya, uh, uh, tries to remind him of, "Hey, you have to do this." Um, finally, in this game, you don't play as Phoenix at the on the first trial. You go back in time pretty much and play. And and go through like the first or second case. I don't remember quite right. Of <laughs> of Mia Fey, like you see your teacher when she was a newbie trying to learn the ropes. Mm-hmm. And the way uh, and in this game in particular, this is actually a Ripley. Right in this game in particular, um, there's this thing where there is like an overarching plot going on um that is like uh unveiled as you go through the uh, different chapters of the game and see things like from the present and the past from two different viewpoints yeah and that makes like this game like my 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 favorite ever <laughs> so yeah um i'm not very far into the game i'm probably just playing like 15 minutes or something before i uh, decided to do things for the topic this week, but yeah, though that is my week of gaming. Take it away, Josh, please. It's a whole lot of anime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, well, I just wanted to give a quick shout out. Uh, Paula mentioned that I'd given her some games um, because I picked up a bundle this week, which uh, for anyone who doesn't know, I don't know if it'll still be available when this goes. No, it will be when this goes out. Yeah. Um, but there's a thing that you may or may not know, but there's a YouTube channel called the Yogs Cast, who are an English group. And every year in December, they do a thing called the Jingle Jam, where they basically do streams all through December and they raise money for charity. And they usually raise okay. a lot of money, like millions of dollars or pounds rather, because um, it's English. Yeah. Part of that is that they have a bundle you can purchase, or they call it a collection for whatever reason, but it's not a bundle. It's a collection of games that you can purchase. And I think it's 35 pounds, but you get like over a thousand pounds worth of games. There's like 70 games in the collection. Holy crap. That have all been donated by the developers. Um, and all the money goes to charity and you can even choose oh. what charity you want to give it to and all that kind of stuff. So regardless of what you think about the Yogs cast or any of that kind of thing, it's a really cool way to support charity and get a bunch of games. If you're, into that sort of stuff and there's a whole lot of variety in there as well they're good games as well they're not usually it's not usually full of crap there's usually pretty good stuff in there and <laughs> <laughs> so i don't have any association with any of this um so but i just wanted to mention it in case anyone is interested because if you just google jingle jam you'll be able to find it um so jingle jam yeah like jingle like Jingle all the way. Jingle bells. Yeah, jingle but, bells. <laughs> but jam like jelly or yeah. jam or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there will probably be links and stuff you can find that will take you to the, uh, I think it's through a website called Tiltify, which is where you can buy the, the bundle or the collection. And, yeah, you know, like I said, I've got no, you know, association with any of these people or, you know, I'm not even a huge fan of the Yogs cast or any of that kind of stuff. Like your mileage may vary. They're YouTubers, whatever. They either you like them or you don't. But it's a really good thing for charity and they've got some really good charities in there. So, And it's a really cheap, you know, quote-unquote cheap, as in £35 is not super cheap, but for what you get, it's very, very cheap. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, if you are interested, check it out. Um, I ended up with a few extra keys that I gave to Paula because I knew she'd probably be interested in those games. Um, <laughs> Thank you very much. So... Yeah, even, but even me who have, like, I've bought so many bundles, I've got too many games to think of. There was only a handful of the 70-plus games in the bundle. I think there was maybe, like, five or six that I already had, but the rest were all new to me. So that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the bundle now, and there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think a, uh, like a short the hike Rusty is in Lake there. Rusty Lake Hotel is the one that you had. Yeah, Rusty Lake Hotel is in there. A short hike is in there. Um, yeah. Just thinking of ones that I've played. Um, there's, like... The Homeworld collection. There's a DLC for Chifu. There's DLC for Sifu, yeah. There's there's a whole bunch of stuff. And the cool thing about it is that all the devs have been contacted directly and they are they've donated these games to the collection. So because it's for charity. Um and you know, I love that it's one thing I like about gamers and developers and stuff. The amount of times I see developers happy to give away their thing because it helps raise money for charity is just really cool. So anyway, I don't want to go on about it forever, but I just thought I'd mention it because <laughs> even even as a person who likes playing games, it's just a cheap way to get a whole bunch of good games. So you could even go halves with someone if you wanted to and, you know, split them up or whatever. I don't know. Just thinking out loud. But, yeah. Anyway, what I've been playing this week. <laughs> what I've, have you been playing this week? 
I don't know if you remember during Steam Next Fest, I talked about I played the demo for Robocop Rogue City. Mm-hmm. And I liked it. So I went and bought the game, and it's really good. And I really like it. Why <laughs> do you sound like you're suffering? Because it's like, it's too good. I've, I'm waiting for it to not be good. <laughs> oh, it, it, things are going like suspiciously good. Like, yeah. Metal. I don't know. I'm waiting for the other shooter drop because tie movie tying games like this are usually just bad. And but this one's really good, but then in a really strange way. Like so the demo I played was basically the first level of the game. So playing the game again, I played through the first level of the game. I'm like, yep, cool, I've done this. It's very much a first person shooter working your way through a building, linear path, taking out dudes as you go along, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But then after that, which is then after the demo, it opens up into a weird kind of hybrid open world uh, RPG kind of layer where it's still first person, but you get to the, you end up at the police station. And while you do have a main objective, as in to go here and get your next mission, you can just explore the whole police station. And if you overhear things that people are talking about, they're like side missions that you can pick up and you can go help people with their problems basically or find your way down to the shooting range and play like a shooting range mini game where you get scored on how well you do kind of thing and um yeah it's just really interesting because then i, I did all that and I've, as soon as i found out you could just go anywhere of course i went everywhere other than where i meant to go of course to try and find everything that can be found <laughs> and i did that and then i kind of went and did my main mission and kind of got told to go to places where i'd already been because they weren't expecting me to have already been there. Um, <laughs> like, as soon as I got the main mission, one of the things was, okay, go practice on the shooting range. And I'm like, I just did that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I literally went and played the shooting range minigame, got the high score, and then went, cool, that's done. And then on my my boss at the mission goes, hey, go down to the shooting range. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll do that then. <laughs> but that's cool. The weird thing, though, is the... The kind of lack of soundtrack, like there's a lot of parts where a cutscene will come out and it's very, very true to the movie, the first movie at least, as in mm-hmm. all the characters are the same. Uh, they've probably got different voice actors, I'm sure, but they look the same. They're the same kind of, like the, the uh, chief of police looks like the same guy who's in the movies. Um, your partner, uh, Lewis, looks like the same woman who played Lewis. You as Murphy look like the same guy who played Murphy, you know. It's very much trying to copy the the uh, the movie, and uh-huh. but then there'll be whole bits of dialogue or cutscenes or stuff without any soundtrack, which you may not notice if there was a soundtrack, but it's kind of noticeable when there isn't because it's just dialogue, uh-huh. and there is there's no like ambient noise in the background or anything. It's like just people talking, and it's not bad per se. It just kind of sets a weird tone because. I'm used to having like even just very subtle kind of notes or music played in the background to kind of set the tone for what they want to set it as. But instead it's just dialogue and nothing to kind of cue the mood, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of weird in that sense. But then it continues because then I go, okay, cool, whatever. I've got my mission. My mission is to basically go out and work as a police officer because I'm still in the beginning of the game. Um so I get told, okay, there's been a break-in at this arcade downtown. Go check it out. So you go down, you get your car, and you 
off you go cutscene you end up in in uh on the streets in the city but again it's open world so <laughs> it's not a huge map but it's more than just the mission you're on so there's like side okay. streets and other buildings to go into and people standing around who you can talk to or like you're walking around and because you're robocop you've got like robot vision and um I'm walking around and it just highlights a car that's parked incorrectly because it's parked in front of a fire hydrant or something. So then you're prompted. You can write them a ticket if you want because <laughs> you're, you know, doing your cop thing. Um, or like I walk around the corner and there's this dude like graffitiing a wall. So I chase him down and, you know, arrest him or decide to let him go or it's up to you. And those decisions start to come into play because if anyone remembers from the movie, um, you as Robocop have three prime directives and which kind of govern what you do. And the first one is, quote unquote, to serve the public interest, which basically you translate to make people like you because you're a big, scary robot. So serve the public, not just the law. Okay. Because your, your other objectives or prime directives are like to uphold the law. And I forget what the other one is, but it doesn't matter. So essentially, depending on how you interact with people, you can affect these different objectives and outcomes so the graffiti artist guy for example i chased him down he was hiding in a bin but i found him and uh pulled him out and basically told him off and then i was given the choice i can either like arrest him give him a fine or just kind of give him a warning and let him go i chose to just give him a warning and let him go and a little thing came up saying you know uh you have served the pub public trust and your points have gone up in that kind of stat kind of thing kind of like you know someone so will remember that and um <laughs> then there was another one where i found a dude who was like just hiding out from some gangsters in a building and this is not to do with the main mission and then while i'm in there these gangsters come in so i kill them all and you know because <laughs> you're robocop and <laughs> and then you know either you can choose to let that guy go or like you know give him a warning whatever blah 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 so it all kind of it's building this kind of semi-morality system that I hope it's going to take further because there's also the element that's in the movie as well of your character Murphy kind of remembering his past before he was Robocop when he was an actual human. Um, uh -huh. And that stuff's kind of interesting too because in the very first level, which is in the demo, so minor spoiler but not really one, there's a part where you kind of stop functioning because you're kind of fighting all these bad dudes and then you just kind of freeze because something kind of triggers you and you're having a flashback to when you were alive, essentially. Um, but from the outside, you just look like you're frozen as a robot and can't do anything. But um, yeah, they're, they're starting to play with that kind of element of the character, which is really cool because that's an important part of the character anyway, uh, is that kind of balance between having been a human who's died but now made into a robot. So how much of that human is left over and blah, 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 blah. Um, so yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Um, <laughs> plus mechanically, it kind of, it makes you feel like Robocop because when you move around, there's good sound effects of like your your feet like clunking along the ground as a big heavy robot. Um, when you like aim down sights, you actually go into Robocop vision where it kind of highlights threats and you can easily kind of get headshots and stuff. So you feel like a total badass. And um, <laughs> it's good. It's a good time for that. So very much enjoying it. But like I say, it's kind of got that weirdness about it where 
I guess it's like unfamiliar things. Like it's a first person shooter, but it's kind of open world, but it's not really open world, but you can kind of find side quests if you go looking for them, but they're not really side quests. They're just other things to do. And it's kind of small contained maps that are open, not an entire big map that's open. And yeah, it's just weird, but uh, I'm hoping as I get further through it, it'll kind of uh, resolve some of that weirdness, I suppose. <laughs> Uh, similarly, I've been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed, Creed Mirage because I'm kind of on the, I want to say the home stretch, but I've probably got like half of the main missions left to go, but I've basically done everything else at this point. So I've found all the collectibles. I've done all the contracts, which are the side missions that are available to me because new ones come up as you progress the story. Uh, I've, yeah, met a whole lot of NPCs that I'm meant to meet. I've explored the entire map. I've I've done all I can except for the main missions. So now I'm like main mission focused um and the main missions like in other games but you know it's much more guided in this game i guess you're essentially trying to find members of a cult to then assassinate them to then lead you to the leader to then assassinate them and so on and so forth so what i really like about this game is that it's kind of taken elements of the most recent three assassin's creed games that are good and mixed them with old school Assassin's Creed elements that are good and kind of gotten rid of all the filler. So they've definitely taken it way back to like the first few games as far as the uh, gameplay loop and the progression where you are very much just in a contained space and you have a target that you have to kind of investigate and find out about and there's way more stealth involved. It's less action focused than say origins of Valhalla or Odyssey and it's way more back to the whole stealth mechanics and running over rooftops and all that kind of stuff which is you know what I love about Assassin's Creed and um but what it does bring from the new games is the investigation aspect where you know there's a target say I think I mentioned this before in previous episodes but as an example there's a target who you know is doing something but you don't know who it is so they might be like a a gen one of them was a general I think in the army but you're not quite sure who it is. So you've got to kind of in investigate certain areas and like sneak your way into offices to find documents and things or sneak your way to find prisoners who know information and talk to them and, you know, find clues about who it is. And then your character will go, oh, that sounds like this guy in the city. He must be the dude from the cult that I'm trying to kill. <laughs> so then you decide, okay, I'm going to go kill him. <laughs> but the next... To do that, though, you need to uh, coordinate yourself and allies in order to draw them out because they're usually protected somewhere or in a building or surrounded by way too many guards or something like that. But by talking to NPCs and coordinating certain things, you can kind of create conditions that will open them up for you then to get in and kill them. So it could be as simple as you create a ruckus and all their guards kind of go to check it out. In the meantime, you climb in through the window and you sneak up behind them and kill them. So, <laughs> or it could be like you you bring them out into the crowd where they're going to like talk to everybody and do a speech. But while they're up on their balcony talking, you jump on top of them and stab them in the head. And uh, yeah, that aspect is really cool. And it's even brought in, there was a thing in the very first game. I can't remember if it did it. I think it did it in Assassin's Creed 2 as well, where time kind of stops when you do kill a target. And there's a moment where you talk to them as they're dying, as uh, yeah. yeah, as part of the process. And 
the cool thing about that in the first game especially because i remember it the most and i've replayed it a lot um <laughs> is that you know you're focused on these are evil people these are bad people i need to go and assassinate them and kill them and you know that's a good thing and i'm doing the right thing but as they're dying and you talk to them about what they're doing and kind of like the gigs up so they're not lying to you anymore they're not trying to fool you or whatever they are dying so they're honest with you but they talk about their own motivations and why they think that what they're doing is actually the good thing and the right thing. And it creates that kind of ambiguity about, well, it depends what side you're on and what perspective you have that then changes how you evaluate and judge what people do. And yeah, it kind of adds that extra kind of ambiguity to it, I guess, where it's not as clear as good and evil. It's a matter of opinion kind of thing. And yeah. And yeah. I really like that, and I'm really glad they've brought it back to uh, Mirage. So I am kind of playing a lot of that at the moment. I imagine I'll have it finished soon, uh, probably by next time we speak, hopefully. But um, Hopefully. We shall see. I've still got a lot left to do. Like There's a lot to do. So, <laughs> uh, Additionally, just to get through some more, I've been playing more of The Next World, which is that visual novel slash choose-your-own-adventure people have crashed on a alien planet thing that I was talking about. I haven't got heaps much further to really have it develop anything, but it's still good and interesting. And it's very much making choices and seeing how that then pans out in the future. And so there are a few things I've done, which haven't been very good for my colony. There are a few things I've done, which have been good and I've found equipment or, you know, made some good decisions that everyone now loves me a bit. Um, so yeah, I, I think I feel like as I play through it, there's more to come and, the ending is going to kind of shape it a lot, but I don't really want to say much until then because I feel like I'd be speaking out of turn as well. Um, but another game I played more of, which I spoke about before, is Thirsty Suitors. And I've got to a – this is the one where you kind of come back to your hometown and you're dealing with your exes and all that kind of stuff and you ride skateboards and you do tricks and you talk to your folks and everything and it's a little wacky but it's very cool. I've now gotten further into it, so there's an entire cooking element to the game now because part of what you do to bond with your parents is make food with them because much like uh, Venba, which I talked about on many episodes ago, you are part of a immigrant Indian family, so there's lots of cool Indian food to make, which is fun, but um, you do it in the same style as you do everything else in Thirsty Suitors where you kind of... To make a dish, you have to like uh, compl successfully complete a bunch of kind of quick time prompts, um, and then your character will do very stylish things to make the dish. So instead of just cracking an egg in a bowl, she'll like throw it around her head a few times, and then everything will slow down. And you have to like hit A at the right time, and she'll like crack it and then do a flip, and then you've got to hit left or right, and she'll like kick it so that it falls into the bowl. And, yeah, it's all very cool and stylish and over the top, but a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> and at the same time, I also got through part of the story where the skateboarding comes into play a lot more because I had to, like, skate battle some teenagers and kind of get bigger combos than they could, a la Tony Hawk or something like that. Uh, and that was a lot of fun because <laughs> you end up – it's kind of like a simplified version of Tony Hawk, like it's nowhere near as deep. Uh, but it's still challenging because you have to, you know, uh, transfer from trick to trick and modify them and stuff to kind of keep it fresh and 
you know, get around this like skate park and try and form a, a fluid kind of run that you can build up your multiplier over and over and, you know, get big scores. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's still such a unique and fun game that I'm really intrigued to see where it is going and basically mm-hmm. how it's going to pan out because I'm being introduced to all these different elements, like the cooking thing or the skating thing or like fighting your exes or because you come from an Indian family, your, your auntie's quite zealous about finding your partner. So as you skate around the town, you can hit um, gift baskets, like boxes that look like presents and you will either get money or you'll have to fight off a suitor who is usually a Indian uh, suitor who has been matched to you and your auntie is trying to set you up with. So, but you actually fight them and it's up to you whether you choose to be kind to them or not. <laughs> um, but yeah, they kind of just pop out of nowhere and they're like, hey, <laughs> your auntie wants me to marry you. <laughs> and you're like, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> So, it has no power over primary. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of fun in, in that set. And it's just, it's really well made. There's heaps of style and everything. It makes me think of something like um, what I've seen from, say, Persona 5 or something, which has all that style in the menus and everything. And and the soundtrack is funky and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's got that kind of vibe to it where everything is just really colorful and over the top and everything's very stylized and fun and not necessarily realistic, but heaps cool anyway. <laughs> like even down to when you go home, the way your character walks through the door is by doing a cartwheel. And in that process, she like takes off her jacket and throws the skateboard to the side and puts her bag down and all that kind of thing. And then she's like home and comfy. <laughs> and then when you leave, she does another cartwheel and like picks everything up and like goes out the door. <laughs> and yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> um, very quickly, though, to finish up, I've been playing Half-Life, as I mentioned before, which is part of the game of the month. I really like it. It's fun going back to because it is quite different and there's a lot of stuff that's dated about it. But obviously, having played it when it first came out, I remember uh, having my tiny little mind blown. Um, but I think it's an interesting game of the month to have for for now, like so much later than when it did come out, because there's a lot of stuff in it which obviously has changed and standards have changed over time. And one of the most obvious things that I found when I started playing it was just how instead of your character walking everywhere and you hold shift to run, it's the opposite. You're running everywhere and you hold shift to walk. And that's that's kind of how they used to do it. <laughs> it's very much a thing of the time. So you're either walking around. If, if you don't hold shift, you're like running around super fast because that's what you do. And it can be quite disorientating and make platforming kind of difficult as well because you're just zooming all over the place and it's almost like you're on roller skates. Um, But if you hold down shift, you can, you know, (laughs) actually do a reasonable kind of pace and take your time and actually just walk around. Um, But so, you know, that kind of stuff's fun because, yeah, I always like seeing how things change between old games and then someone comes up with a different method and it's like, oh, let's do that now. And yeah, but I still, the, the biggest thing that, is obvious from Half-Life that wasn't true for other games at the time is all the in-game cutscenes, I want to say, and like conversations and talking to NPCs and that sort of thing that they have. I mean, classically, you start with riding the train into work as the new employee and there's a whole lot of talking and not a lot of doing anything else. And that was really weird at the time for a game because, you know, 
first-person shooters were basically like straight into the action, kill everything you see, off you go. You don't stand around and talk. You don't need to, you know, have story. You just... Like it's for losers. Totally. You just kill shit. That's all you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice revisiting that. Uh, additionally, as a very final thought, I've been playing some more Disney Dreamlight Valley, which I've mentioned before. They've had a couple of updates since last time I spoke, and there's now some new characters like Jack Skellington from The Nightmare Before Christmas, who... <laughs> I unlocked, but they've also introduced a multiplayer function where much like Animal Crossing, you could now visit other people's valleys, like towns, basically, but they're valleys. Um, <laughs> so I haven't done it yet, but I met, as soon as I found it, because I was playing last night, I messaged my friend who also plays it and I said, hey, we can visit each other's valleys now. And she's like, yeah, I know. I saw that the other day. We've got to do it. It'll be so cool. And yeah, we'll, uh, I'll be trying that out sometime soon. So Nice. I will come back with that later. But yeah, that is the end of my long list of everything that I've been playing and finishing and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> That's a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, it ended up being quite I a week. I up. <laughs> but it's some sort of thing. So, take it away. Let's let's head into our topic. Okay, so a yearly thing we do uh, here on the How Long To Beat podcast is... Um, New Year and gaming resolutions. Um, so usually uh, we review whatever our twenty twenty three or like last year's resolutions were. So we mm -hmm. see like if this year we did anything along those lines. Um, then we uh, we look up we look for next year's resolutions and share those and see if we get anything. Right, or if we totally <laughs> ignore our past selves, like I've done so many times. So, uh, mind if I start uh, reviewing my uh, mm. my twenty twenty three resolutions? Yeah, mercifully, I don't have much that I thought about last year, so I don't have a lot to add in this bit. <laughs> so go for it, Paula. Okay. So first of all, uh, I went back and listened to myself in the past on episode ninety nine of season two. Uh, of the podcast and I said I wanted to play as many Zelda games before Tears of the Kingdom releases on May 12th. <laughs> I said I wanted to play at least I wanted to at least get to the 3D games and I was a happy camper but I was like very very happy is I finish Zelda 2, A Link to the Past, Link's Awakening, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. Out of those games, I really only played Zelda 2 Adventure of Link and ended up dropping it like halfway through because the the platforming felt like shit <laughs> at some points. Or like it didn't feel bad per se, but I was more frustrated. I felt more frustrated than challenged when I was playing the game. So I was like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> I did get further than the first time I tried to play Zelda 2. Which is Ooh. an achievement, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but no more much else. Um, I haven't started. Like, I think I tried to start a link to the past, but something came up and I got distracted. Uh, didn't play Link's Awakening. Didn't play Ocarina of Time. Well, kind of played Ocarina of Time, where in a very silly way uh, with an archipelago mod, <laughs> which I immediately dropped because I felt it was stupid. <laughs> and I haven't played Majora's Mask. I haven't even, like, Majora's Mask is a game that I try to replay, like, every other year. So I probably play that, like, next year. But anyway. So, anyway, um, this plan was a failure. <laughs> Seemed very ambitious 
Yeah. <laughs> the second, <laughs> it was uh, very ambitious. Like, Valhalla last year was very, very ambitious. <laughs> the other game that I, like the other series that I wanted to start was the Science Adventure series. So last year I said, like, I already had, like, all the games to play. But the first one, that is Chaos Head Noah, like, uh, got a release on Steam. And I wanted to, like, use, I wanted to play it. But I initially wanted to play on Switch, but the thing is, is that the translation for that game was busted. So I had to wait uh, many months for uh, the Committee of Zero to come up with a patch to fix not only the localization, but also they kind of like un uncensored the game in a sense, mm -hmm. because there's like the game itself was is kind of gory. So to get like a proper release this time around, this game uh, hadn't like come out in the West like for so fucking long. So they uh, to get to be able to release the game without um, uh, being in trouble like with like Steam and the other uh, platform holders, they had to change a lot of stuff. Um, Commander of Zero said like, you know what, we're reverting that shit, so you can <laughs> play like the original. You can get the original ex experience of the game. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that uh, the game had game-breaking bugs to the point that you couldn't get like uh, all the endings and the game will continuously crash on you. Nice. Uh, so with that in mind, I patiently waited and was regarded, rewarded by the Committee of Zero with a functional patch of the game. Um, I am currently trapped in Chapter 2 Limbo because holy crap, Chapter 2 is very, very long. <laughs> And I have to say, I need to get back into the Science Adventure series like next year. Um, definitely. So technically, I did start the Science Adventure series. Yep. Did I get as far as I wanted to? No. So I still need to play Chaos Head Noah, Stains Gate, um, Robotic Notes, Robotic Notes mm -hmm. Elite, um, Chaos Child, Stains Gate 3 Zero, and Robotic notes stash uh and also there's like a couple of sensitive games that are kind of like not important to the story but like they're more like fast service or anything than anything that else that is like hey you wanted to have like you wanted like a, uh something sweet after playing sensitive because that game can emotionally like destroy you if it has <laughs> the opportunity to so it's like hey have some sugar over here <laughs> so actually let me uh, move this to here <laughs> Over here. Yeah, I'm looking uh, at the uh, the Science Adventure Wikipedia page, and there's like 20 games in the t series, or 19, yeah, including a couple that haven't come out yet. Yeah, technically, uh, there's like yeah, there's <laughs> six main games that are like what matters to the story. Uh, there's also like a fan disc for, uh, I think all of the three main series of the series. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but also you have like extra games like Stainsgate Elite that is like a uh, reimagining of Stainsgate in the sense that uh, it is the story of Stainsgate but told like in a pace more similar to what the anime was. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't have like the beautiful, beautiful art from the original Stainsgate, but it does have the art from the anime. <laughs> and the other thing is that there's uh, two. I think there's two fan disc first things here that are available on Steam that are My Darling's Embrace and Linear Bonded Phenogram mm -hmm. uh, that aren't like 
integral to the story, but are kind of nice. Um, I feel like there's also like games that are haven't been localized, but I don't remember the name of the fantasy for robotic notes. Uh, but I do remember that there's like uh, the chaos cat chooses something something uh, that is like the fantasy for that series. Uh, so I'm gonna be happy if I manage to play like the six main games. Um, mm-hmm. Because I I think next year. Um, is uh, Occultic Nine is gonna come out? That that is another game on the Science Adventure series. Right. I think it has come out in Japan, but I think it has been like coming out in an episodic episodic manner. So I'm not sure if we're gonna get like uh, some episodes and then we're gonna get like updates for the other episodes, or if we're gonna get like the full game like head on. Yeah, said it came out in 2017 originally. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is that um, I feel like that game isn't as well rated as the other, as the other ones, and I don't know why. <laughs> I think it has to do uh, uh, with the fact of how it came out, like yeah. uh, whatever. So <laughs> yeah, science adventure series, yeah, <laughs> yeah, science adventure series. So the other thing that I w- I wanted to do last year was getting my backlog to. 225 games or less. Well, ain't that at all failure? I'm sitting at 272 games, I'm counting over here. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and also I had like um, 39 games ongoing at the time. And I just wanted to lower that number. Mm-hmm. I now have 52 games ongoing at the time that I have started and not just finished. Sounds about right. And this is like my this is like my favorite quote ever. And uh and the thing said, oh and the uh and I quote if I'm gonna finish just one game this year it's gonna be Dark Souls. <laughs> I haven't touched Dark Souls in a uh, uh, all, like at all this year. <laughs> I'm still like past just past the first boss of the game. So it was those words. Like you can quote that. Like good intentions uh, under my name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a complete failure, if I say the least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big dreams. Very big dreams. But not so big execution. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I so, didn't. Yeah. I obviously wasn't on the podcast last year to go back to recording. So I think about the kind of things that I try to do every year, or I thought about perhaps a year ago especially in relation to my lists on like how to beat and that sort of thing. And um, one thing I always try and do is like you said, lower your uh, ongoing games. Um, I put the way I use my playing tab is basically anything I've started, but can intend to finish, but haven't finished kind of goes on playing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing I like to do is if I can <laughs> finish things, because <laughs> I do tend to play lots of different things and jump around a lot. Um and to be fair, I will say over the last couple of years, I have got that number down because I think at the worst, it was at about 110 games that I'd started enough to kind of record some, but hadn't finished yet, but was still in planning on finishing and hadn't retired them. So I got that down to like 80 or so one year. And then I think last year I wanted to get it down further, but it's been fluctuating between about 70 and 75 all year. I keep kind of getting it down, but then finding new stuff to play and then getting it down again, then finding more new stuff to play. Um, So I am kind of trying to focus on finishing things I've started. 
but there's always new things that come along, like new releases and stuff. So it, it goes all over the place. Um, and the other thing I try to do, because, you know, finance is willing, I try to play or try at least attempt to play um, as many kind of new releases as I can each year, just because, you know, why not? Um, obviously, I'm not purchasing them all, but with a subscription to PlayStation Plus and uh, Game Pass, it means you get quite a bit of new releases to try and you know some of them are more interesting than others you may have noticed that i haven't spoken about starfield for a good few weeks because i started yep. playing it and i haven't touched it since so <laughs> Ta-da. not that i'm against it and i will pick it up one day but i just kind of went yeah I'll, I'll play this some other time and other things have been way more interesting to me so <laughs> uh yeah things like that where i have started it i have spent some time in it it was a new release, obviously, on Game Pass, and that's how I got to it. I wouldn't have purchased it if it wasn't. So, you know, I like to kind of try those out as much as I can uh, just to see what's happening and, you know, keep up to date with stuff. But mm-hmm. it's a kind of a funny goal because it's a very much a convenience-related goal. Like, I'm not going to be purchasing every new release because that would just be ridiculous and I can't afford to anyway. Yeah. Um, but there's enough that comes out on playstation plus and game pass to kind of allow for that and it's kind of good motivation to just try stuff like like gotham knights and that kind of thing where even if it doesn't work out and you end up retiring it that's kind of to me why i pay my subscription is because i can try those sorts of things so yeah that's kind of my year <laughs> but with that in mind i can quickly get through what i want to do next year because it's basically yeah. that repeated <laughs> so my first note was I want to get my playing list down because at the moment it's sitting at 75. There's, I was looking at it before and there's like heaps of stuff on my list which I could finish off if I just kind of put in some time. Like I've been playing some of the ones that I haven't touched for ages I could finish like like Volume, which is a Mike Bithell game. That's just a matter of time to finish. Uh, Subnautica, I've always been in the end game for that forever but have never bothered to actually finish it. Um, other ones I can find like Lonely Mountains Downhill. That I've almost finished as well. Jurassic World Evolution, I've basically done everything except the last few missions. Fallout 4, I've played a few hours worth in that, but just need to kind of focus on the end game. There's a whole heap of games in my playing list that if I just gave it like a couple of days focus, I could probably knock them off pretty easily. So that's a goal I'd like to achieve next year. Uh, Similarly, I'd like to play some more new releases, of course, but I've been enjoying using the randomize button on my backlog to choose games. And I intend to continue doing that. Um, For anyone who's been playing along, I tried it and that's how I ended up playing a game called, was it Please Jason or something like that? Oh, Sorry James was the game that I randomized and I played. It was like a hacking puzzle game. And then currently I'm playing uh, The Lost, what was it? The Next World, which is that, choose your own adventure colony survival game as well and so there's lots of random games in my backlog like that that i would like to you know surface one way or the other and using the randomizer is um a good way to do that finally more on a personal level i just want to post more on my blog because i like writing my opinions down about games and you know that sort of thing which is the whole reason i have a blog it's not a hell on to beat blog so sorry about that but (laughs) um if anyone's interested, it's called, it's abbeysblog.net. And I just like write random posts about random games when I feel like it. So I haven't written anything on there for a while, but I keep looking at it going, yeah, 
I've got heaps of other games that I could write about. So that's something I want to dedicate some more time to next year as well. But uh, that's about it for me. That's uh, They're my goals, as simple as they they're may be. pretty reasonable. I like to have goals that I can achieve, even if I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, then, I went in the complete opposite. Uh, like, it started reasonable, and it went a little bit unhinged at the end. <laughs> so, first of all, uh, my ongoing list is currently sitting at 52. If it just goes down to 50, I am a happy camper. Also, uh, the not said backlog is sitting at 272 games. Do something in all caps. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just going to try to, at the very least, either maintain or lower the amount of games that I have in my backlog. I'm trying not to wait. Like, if I manage to finish the year not reaching 300 games, I'm going to be happy. But I don't make any promises, <laughs> but I'm going to try at the very least. I have a, cup, a bunch of games that I have like ongoing right now that I want to finish, such as Lane of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, that's going to take a while. Uh, I have many Fire Emblem games that I've started but haven't finished, and I want to play at the very least two of them this year. <laughs> I want to finish my Pokemon Sapphire Randomizer Nuzlocke. Uh, this would be like the second Nuzlocke that I ever finish if I do so. Nice. Uh, the first one being a, a, a Pokemon Platinum Nuzlocke um, without the randomizer thing. But I, I'm really keen into uh, go, seeing like where I'm able, like how long I can go without my team dying Pokemon Sapphire. <laughs> uh, I also want to finish Quarter of Two and Chaos have not. So on that note, I'm going to keep supporting the Otome industry. Quite unsupporting because even though I wanted to play like all the releases of this year, I haven't now been able to, and I think I haven't even bought like all the releases this year. I I have a list here. Nor Nine Bar Commons came out on March 30, 2023. I already have that on beta, so I didn't buy it. I would like to buy it mainly because of how the translation, like the localization of the Swift of the Switch version, is leaks better than the Vita one, uh, from what I've heard. Cool. Um, there's another like big uh, game that came out that was Butterfly's uh, Poison. Uh, I think it was like Chanda Doku or something like that in uh, in Japanese, and I've been interested in it, but I haven't like picked it up yet. Um, I do have Nine Lacera and Chai Madex and Black and Jack Jean. I haven't played either of those. Um, there's also the even If Tempest Fundis. I haven't even gotten the first even If Tempest game, but I heard a lot of good things about it. <laughs> um, the other game that ha that came out recently and I didn't get because I use up my money in other things was my next life as a villainess or road slip to do much on my game. I I want to play it. I really want, but I I had to prioritize uh, using my money in other things and not just stomach it. <laughs> and let's be honest, I, I really thought that I would still be playing virtually like at the end of the year. I wasn't expecting it to like just uh, grab me the way it did. So yeah, that's kind of interesting. But we can't buy all the games you cannot buy all the games so <laughs> so far i think there's like six 
Games, Zixotome Games, uh, confirms for next year being Sympathikis, uh, Tengoku Straku, um, uh, wait, it's only five. Okay, uh, Sympathikis, Tengoku Straku, Cupid Parasite, Sweep, and Spicy Darling, and that one is a fan disc for a very beloved game that I really enjoyed, so I'm looking forward to it. And also the studio that uh, made, um, even if Tempest have announced like two projects for next year, that is Project Code Neo Mafia and Project Code Kaleido Tower. Um, we haven't heard from Axis or Idea Factory in a while. Idea Factory just dropped the Cupid Parasite fan disc uh, localization announcement uh, like last week, I think. <laughs> uh, uh, but they did say that uh, keep, uh, like stay tuned, we have more stuff that we're going to release or like we're going to announce. Axis has been radio silent, so I think the only thing that has been um, confirmed on their end is Tengoku Struggle, which is going to come out in April, so people in the automatic community are like growing nasty. Anyway, that being said, I'm going to try my best to get the, all the time I releases this time around. Last year was... Holy crap, last year was so good for Otome fans. We ate good, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We were fed uh, some uh, very nice to the Kuswandos last year. And the games we got were really, really good. So I'm looking forward to next year in that uh, in that regard. So I'm going to continue playing the Science Adventure series. As I said, I want to finish Chaos Noah at the release like, next year. If I get through a Stainscape, even better. I'm not going to have my hopes up for that one. And finally, uh, there's like one specific um, game developer group that I want to uh, like really get to know about. That is the Suck Pop Collective. Mm-hmm. And the thing about this studio is that everyone, everyone do, does whatever they want. So... I think they're like, I'm going to say four developers, but I might be wrong and there are six, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that they make like these bite-sized adventures, uh, almost like in a game jam style, where they try to just get the one concept to work and try to refine it. And uh, I got uh, to hear about them uh, because Leyendas y Videojuegos, one of the Spanish channels that I follow on YouTube, uh, talk about them, I really picked my attention. So it turns out that they tried to put out, like, they used to put out, like, two games a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, every member of the group just play, it just developed their own thing. They didn't, like, do, uh, they didn't, like, develop, a, uh, like, a game between the four. They each did uh, one game and got, to, and got to do the one game for a while. So they used to put up like two games a month. Uh, they're not now uh, when they are now doing like only one game a month, mm-hmm. but they do have a Patreon uh, to which you can subscribe uh, for the tier called Plain Suck for only three dollars a month. You not only get like the uh, latest suck pop game uh, that comes out that month, you get like a bonus suck pop game. Uh, every month, like from their library of games. Cool. And I love the names of the tiers because they are socks. Like the whole <laughs> sock, the super sock, and the favorite sock. 
uh, gives you a return of gratitude and everything included in the lower tiers. So I think I'm going to subscribe to the plain sock tier mm. uh, and get like two small games that I can be like in under an hour, like every month. Uh, you may have heard about the game Stucklands. Uh, no. Uh, which is Not like the, the one game that put them under the radar to, for most people that know about them. Uh, I, I don't know about, much about the game. It's like a, a card game where you have to use cards to do stuff. Mm. I've, I've definitely heard of them because I've picked up a bunch of their stuff in bundles in the past. And so I think I've got like 15 or so sock pot games in my library. But um, oh my God. I haven't gone around to playing them yet because I kind of I want to give them the time and attention, I think, they need because like you say they're they're experiments and they're you know developers trying things so i don't want to just blast through a quick game and not give it much attention kind of thing i'd like to kind of see what they're what they're about and think about it properly so yeah i might have to join you on that adventure a little bit nice so yeah uh i'm gonna be like next year subscribe to suckbook suckbop and just enjoy seeing what this for or more. I don't know how many they are right now. Mm. But I'm just going to go and enjoy what this group of crazy people, crazy, like mad lads, ha- uh, have been <laughs> cooking for the last months. Yeah, awesome. Those are my game resolutions for next year. Sounds good. So, yeah. Uh, uh, what about you, dear listeners? Like, mm. do you have any um, game resolutions for next year? Do you just say fuck it i'll play whatever i want whenever i feel like it or i don't know do you have any plans for your uh, gaming life for the for the next 365 66 <laughs> uh, uh, days because it is a leap year next year good save good save <laughs> yeah but, uh, yeah there's a i mean yeah as you can probably figure out i pretty much just kind of go with the flow but it is nice to have some kind of goals to, you know, like remind me to finish things instead of starting new things. Um, Even if it doesn't work uh, sometimes. I mean, you know, we're all trying to just have fun anyway. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. But it's nice to feel like you've accomplished something. Yeah. <laughs> it's just fun to have fun playing games. Yeah. Speaking of, let us play. Let's wrap up this bumper episode with a go at our guessing game where Paula gets to guess a game from her uh, completion list, which I have chosen. This is going to be interesting. Oh, no, not again. I'm like, I'm going to have to sing again. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I've randomized uh, your completion list and I've found one which has plenty of uh, notes and things that I can refer to. I'll be fair, one of the completion notes is not that helpful, so I might give you some extra clues when we get to that. That's for the main sides. But the other two should be able to help you out a fair bit, I think. Kitty. So get that thinking cap on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm ready. Wait, I actually have a cap like a cap here. <laughs> and it's not going to fit on, yep. on top of the cap. Ladies and gentlemen, a cap is on. Uh... A cap is on. <laughs> so this is a game that... The average completion time for main story is three and a half hours. Okay. So it's not massive. Uh, most of the completions are around that as well, so it doesn't seem to be too too much variation going on. Okay. The first note I will give you is 
trying to find it. Let's see how you go with this one. Okay. Completed the two-player levels with my eight-year-old. Is it a sniper clips? Fucking no. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> well, you should wear you should put that cap on more often because that really helped. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> nicely done nicely done that's a nice quick one we could probably do with a quick one this week so <laughs> well done it is snipper clips of course the launch title for the switch which i believe you finished back in 2017 i want to say yeah i finished it like probably like the week or the couple of weeks it came out because it was one of the few things that I could play with my boyfriend on the Switch. Mm. Like the only thing I could play with my boyfriend on the Switch, let's be honest. Very cool, very cool. And yeah, I thought, you know, saying I completed it with my eight-year-old might give it away, but I wasn't sure, but there you go. That's what you get for playing children's games. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, uh, I haven't played like many short games that are multiplayer. Ah, very good. Uh, so uh, when you said like it's gonna be like three hours, uh, the first thing that came to mind was like something along the lines of the room, yeah, or maybe like another kind of puzzle game, yeah, like Invento or Railvan. But then you said it was multiplayer. I was like, yeah, it's, it's sniper clips. See, you just when you're ignorant about something, you just don't know what's gonna give it away. <laughs> but well done, fair's fair, and you have an extra three points, taking you up to sixteen. And I'm still there on 13. So we've, you've, you've pulled away again and taken the lead. So let's hope, see what happens by the end of the year. <laughs> I need to get as many points as possible so I can make it suffer to maybe one uh, atomic animals or feel like that. Well, yeah. I mean, it could be quite an interesting outcome, really. So there's only going to be a couple more of these until, uh, yeah, we see who's choosing games for the others to play. So mm-hmm. cool. Well done. Well done. Congratulations. Uh, you could definitely deserve one of these. Eh. <laughs> uh, maybe even. Oh, next week you <laughs> might. <laughs> next week you might uh, take the lead or like tie again with me. So that's gonna be interesting. Yeah, I'm still close enough not to be completely out of it. So I- I- yeah. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Uh, but yeah, I think that kind of does us. Well then, uh, with this we end up uh, these very long unwinded episode of the How Long To Beat podcast. Uh, we've been very happy to uh, have you have a good rest of the, your year. We're, we still have a couple of chapters planned out uh, just for you, dear listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, and see you on the next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. the games you cannot buy all the games <laughs>